Hello and welcome to Truth vs. Hype. Tonight, is the note ban a 1% success and a 99% failure? The RBI's disclosure that 99% of the banned cash has come back into the system has pushed the government onto the back foot, sending it into a spiral of deflection, of moving goalposts, of swamping us with cherry-picked data, to the point where it's almost hard to remember the Prime Minister's speech on November 8th where he set out the original rationale for demonetization, which was to wipe out black money and end corruption. This step will strengthen the hands of the common man in the fight against corruption, black money and fake currency. Recall also the government claiming in Supreme Court, no less, that they expected that the black money would be about 25% of all the banned cash. As the Attorney General told the court, about 4 to 5 lakh crores of the 15 lakh crores was anticipated as not coming back. But now instead of this 26%, it's just turned out to be 1%. So for that 1%, the economy has taken a hit. Millions of Indians have queued up for days. There are estimates of job losses, even deaths. Little wonder that the government has gone into this damage control mode, like I said, basically by moving the goalposts. Listen to what the finance minister had said hours after the RBI's figure came out. So more taxpayers, bigger tax base, both in direct and indirect tax, more digitization, lesser cash in the system, integration of the informal with the formal economy. Now just to go back to the Prime Minister's speech, which we've edited, to underline what he focused on. Black money, black money, black money, black money. Role of black money and black money. Of black money, black money and black money. This fight against corruption, 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 corruption and corruption earned through corruption. Corruption against corruption to the corrupt. Fake currency, fake 500 and 1000 rupee notes, fake notes, fake currency notes and fake currency. Problem of terrorism, terrorism and terrorism. Terrorism, terrorism and terrorism. So there's 17 times he mentions black money, 16 times corruption, 5 times fake currency and 5 times terrorism. Not a single reference to digitization, to tax, to the formal or the informal economy. Thanks, by the way, to Boom Live, the fact-checking website for the idea of the, the word count. Now, it's understandable why the government would move the goalposts. But here's the problem. Whether it's the old targets or the new goalposts, the claims don't appear to add up. Starting with the big one about ending black money. The government now says that the idea was never to have black money seized, but to bring it back into the banking system. The object of demonetization was not confiscation of money. So then why put out press releases that the government has actually carried out a massive series of raids which has led to the seizure of or confiscation of over a thousand crores? And also that there's been a detection of about 17,000 crores of undisclosed income. That incidentally just comes to 1.2% of the total amount demonetized. Also to the point that black cash has come into the banking system, the government claims that 13 lakh accounts with an amount of about 3 lakh crore rupees is under scrutiny. But how much of this exactly is black money? We simply don't know that yet. And given the staff strength of our tax department and their previous track record, it may be years before we ever have a clear picture. Now what about the rest of the claims? Well, as far as the fake currency goes, 
the RBI's own data tells us this, that only 41 crore fake currency has been identified, which is 0.0026% of all the banned cash. Let's now come to terrorism, which the government claims has been tackled by demonetization. If you look at data from 10 months before the note ban and 10 months after, it shows you this, that in Jammu and Kashmir, terror incidents are up nearly 40%. Death of civilians up 2,500%. Security personnel killed up 2%. If you look at the Naxal-affected states, terror incidents here are down 45%. Deaths of civilians are down 44%, but the number or the percentage of security personnel killed, 82% up. And yet the government insists that it's not just terrorism, but even stone pelting has come down. In the activities of the separatist organizations and the terrorist organizations themselves. And the best evidence is that uh, by distributing cash, they used to be able to mobilize large number of uh, stone throwers. That capacity completely has disappeared. Now to that, all we can say is to just play you these visuals, disturbing visuals from the past six months of protesters pelting stones at security forces at encounter site after encounter site in Jammu and Kashmir. Looking at some of these newer goalposts which the government had introduced, like the claim that India has now been nudged towards a digital reality. So we looked at the data for digital transactions, both in terms of volume and value. And what they show you is that they did spike in the months after demonetization, especially in December, but then have started to drop to pre-demonetization levels. In fact, the volume of transactions shows that there was a spike in October, even before the note ban induced December spike. Then there's this whole business of the widening of the tax base. And now we've reported on this extensively in the past. The data shows no great surge because of demonetization. The finance ministry says there's been a 25% rise in the number of returns filed post the note ban. But longer term data shows that 25% is not such a big deal. In 2016 alone, pre-note ban, there was a 27% increase in the number of tax returns filed. We then come to this idea of the greater formalization of the economy. Now, the government hasn't put out any data to back this claim. The only data point we could find was the NSSO survey of 2012, which found that India's informal sector had shrunk, employing 72% of workers in 2011 compared with 78% in 2004. Economists say that one benchmark to measure the scale of the formal economy is by assessing GDP numbers which takes into account, amongst other factors, the business performance of companies filed by them in government record. If GDP was to rise, for instance, it would show the formal economy is increasing. But as yesterday's numbers show, the GDP, in fact, has fallen. The idea that we, moving, or we are moving towards a less cash economy. Now, firstly, why is this important? The Prime Minister claims that less cash means less corruption. कैश का अधिकतम सर्कुलेशन का एक सीधा संबंध भ्रष्टाचार से है। The government's argument is that India has a very high amount of cash in circulation in comparison to its GDP, known as the cash to GDP ratio. The RBI says that thanks to demonetization, cash in circulation has fallen from 12.2% of GDP in March last year to about 9% 
by end of March this year, comparing well with a host of advanced and emerging market economies like Germany, France, Italy, Thailand and Malaysia. Now, there are two points on this. One, economists aren't convinced whether a lower cash-to-GDP ratio in itself leads to a cleaner economy. There was this analysis on Bloomberg Quint, for instance, which says it's difficult to conclude whether a lower CIC-to-GDP ratio is a sign of a more developed economy. If it is, then how does one explain that countries like Japan, Hong Kong and Switzerland have ratios which are either higher or comparable that to India? Japan, for example, has about a 20% ratio, Hong Kong 15%, Switzerland 11% and Russia 10%. Moreover, while it's true that the overall currency in circulation has fallen since demonetization, it's down by 13% since the note ban was enforced, falling from 18 lakh crores in November of last year to 15 lakh crore in August this year. At the same time, 13% is unlikely to remain static. If we consider the three-month average pace at which cash is re-entering the system, we can say that about within one and a half to two months, we might be almost back to where we were before the note ban. Raising that question once again, that even if these changes do take place, these marginal changes, was it worth the disruptive, destructive impact that demonetization had the, on the lives of millions of ordinary Indians? Joining us tonight on the panel, we have with us Rajat Sethi, public policy graduate from the Harvard Kennedy School, senior research fellow, India Foundation, joining us via Skype from Imphal. Joining us uh, also is Dr. Arvind Virmani, former chief economic advisor to the government of India. Professor Arun Kumar, economist, someone who's done a lot of work on the black economy. And from Bangalore, Rajiv Gowda, Congress spokesperson and Rajya Sabha MP. Now, Rajat Sethi, what concerns me is that despite the fact that there is so much evidence now about the fact that demonetization may have been, to put it bluntly, an unqualified disaster, the government is coming out and repeatedly trying to defend this, either, like I said, by deluging us with often massaged or contradictory data, or even trying to get its ministers to participate in some kind of choreographed Twitter campaign. I mean, we're going to put those images up on the screen, but you had this highly unusual sight of dozens of ministers tweeting the same thing. Isn't this worrying? To begin with, I wanted to uh, put forth in front of your viewers that corruption across the world in various formats has always been a hydra-headed monster. Right. If you chop off one head, this monster is not going to die. Okay. You need to destroy it in every dimension, in every respect. Demonetization was one such attempt at one such head, not at the whole uh, animal. There are more such uh, attempts which the government is taking, and I'm sure... No, but we're talking the specifically due... about demonetization. Again, they, they, we shouldn't move the goalposts. No, that if you just take demonetization as a measure of reducing just, corruption or ending corruption, on what grounds can we even begin to remotely say that it's worked? Depositing money in the bank does not make it from black to white money. You need to inform your viewers very evidently and clearly on that. See, if we strip off all the arguments of the political uh, agenda that is there, which is surrounding the, the critic of, uh, of demonetization, we will get to the economics of it. But and I can quote you certain points here, by the way. It's all data-based, no politics. So, yeah, I'm just quoting. Let me just quote some data points. You said that the cash uh, consumption, the, sorry, the cash in the circulation in the economy has gone down by 13%. 
So the actual data shows that rupees five lakh crore worth of cash has gone down. The cash in the circulation has gone down, which is twenty percent. Next no, that's, data that's also because, says. I tell you why that is. That's because you're using a you're using a different benchmark. You're looking. The government has well, put I, out figures based on on cash on cash in circulation in March. We were looking at figures as recently as August because we have we have updated figures. No, no. See, let me please complete my all my metric. I'll explain you every data metric that you are posting that I'm also posting. What I'm saying is that there has been a consistent growth of cash in circulation. If you assume the same growth path without the demonetization, okay. how But, much of cash would have been in circulation? Vis a vis. When uh, post demonetization, how much of cash is there in circulation? There is a 20% deficit of cash in circulation. This is point number one. No, but hold on, J point hold on, just a two. second. Let me just let me just try to uh, because if we you know if we get into this kind of granular uh, uh, you know debating, I don't know how long it will take us. I just want to bring in Professor Arun Kumar. The idea, just a just a second, I'm coming back to you. The idea, as we just pointed out. That if you're simply saying cash in circulation has reduced, and by the way, the trends are showing that it's actually coming back. Again, what does that have to do with fighting corruption or cleaning up the economy? You know, clearly, as you said in your data, that you know there are countries which have much more cash and much less corruption, yes. or countries with much less cash to GDP ratio and much more corruption, like Nigeria yes. has four percent, you know, which is far less than India, far less than Japan, etc. Japan had eighteen percent as much less corruption, so therefore there is no direct Nigeria, link. Nigeria, a country which has not the best, best reputation for yes, transparency, correct, has correct. actually a very low cash, very to low GDP cash ratio. GDP, and there are many other such countries. So therefore, there is no direct linkage between the amount of cash in circulation in an economy right. and corruption, and that's been proven, you know, and said and stated by everybody. But let me also say that when you we say that 99% is back and 1% is not back, we know that 8,000 crores is lying with the cooperative banks. Right. So therefore, it's even less than 1%. Right. We know that money is lying in Nepal, in Bhutan, and various yeah. other places. So in fact, almost the entire money is known to be back. And the, the, the worry the, that it may actually it may breach, actually, it may cross. Yes, because counterfeit currency may have come back, right. which probably did not get detected because it was a very, very good counterfeiting that was there. So therefore, that is also not a second so, pro point. Okay, is I, I'll come to your yeah. second point in a second. I just want to go to uh, Dr. Arvind Vermani now. Dr. Vermani, you tweeted that you know uh, a moral or a social crusade against corruption should not be considered as conventional economic policy now. Were you trying to describe demonetization as a crusade, or did I read your tweet wrong? Well, I would put it as a campaign, and this campaign actually started in 2014. There was an SIT on black money. I'm not saying I support all these. I'm just telling you the facts, which I think, like you say, your program is yeah. first to get the facts correct. No, but so, when you uh, say campaign, uh, there were uh, there no, was the, an the SIT reason... on black money. The courts took, etc., etc. So that campaign has been going on from 2014, and but this demonetization... is from the fourth or, or so, so uh, element of that campaign. No, no, but sorry to cut in. Demonetization, though, is not a campaign. It's not like the Anna Hazare, you know, agitation. It's a hard economic policy decision. No, please. Uh, measures, measures are part of campaign. The measures were uh, something on Swiss uh, bank money. There was a Benami Act. There was demonetization. Okay. Uh, you know, we can discuss the economic effects, but uh, those are all measures uh, of a uh, campaign. Which you call it campaign, call it whatever you want. Yeah, I have used the word crusade before, but an alternative word could be campaign. Okay, but do you feel though 
whether you want to call it campaign or crusade or what I think it is, which is a hard policy decision, that effectively it's not matched any of the claims that it set out to do. So, uh, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, a couple of claims. Let me uh, match them with the data. There are two new data points which we got from the RBI report. One was that 1.25% uh, of money didn't come back. Yes. And I would uh, posit that against the 2% in the last demonetization. In fact, many experts on black money, I don't know whether Professor Arun Kumar said it, but uh, that used to be the number which many of them gave. I, yes. I didn't uh, know that till these experts gave that 2%. So that's the number against which I would judge and also recall that in the previous demonetization only 1.5% of the currency was demonetized. In this case it was 86%. So Whether you call that a good uh, amount coming back or bad, uh, I will let you and the viewers judge. The second point I want to make is, uh, so 1.25 against 2%. The second point uh, which came from the RBI report was uh, uh, in a way a new estimate of the, uh, 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 of, of the fake currency. Right? Yes. And that proved to be uh, much less uh, than what people uh, were thinking. But uh, please remember, those people who were sitting on fake currency for use for a particular purpose yes. wouldn't come and give it to the RBI and have their name uh, put on it. So this part of the currency is which was actually innocently circulating. You know, somebody gives me a fake note, I may not know that it's fake and I no, would I go and put it, but, uh, deposit it. But, but the guys who had bundles of fake notes yeah. would not come and deposit it. So that's the two uh, factual points you must no, no, remember. I've, I've, yeah. I've got your points. I've, I've got your points, but, uh, you know, I don't understand. I mean, even if it's true that that fake currency has come in innocently, the idea of wiping out almost 86% of currency of the country to go after this whatever microscopic amount, uh, you know, just continues to boggle the mind. Rajiv Gaura, uh, I want to bring you in, Congress spokesperson. Now, you know, I know that the Congress have come out very strongly and, and have called it a failure. In fact, uh, P. Chidambaram said that this is, is this just a way of legitimately laundering 100% of uh, black money into white? What do you make of this uh, government's attempt to push back to say, look, actually, you know what, all the money has come into the system. Uh, so actually, it's, it's not got laundered. It's, it's under our scanner. And at some point, we'll figure out how much of this is actually black and how much of it is white. So that's really the question you should be asking, okay, all the cash has come back in and therefore how much of that is black and how much of that is legitimate. Now um, some accounts are going to be scrutinized, but during the whole demonetization fiasco, yeah. we uh, heard enough stories of a lot of uh, money being laundered, a lot of black being turned into white. You know, the Niti Aayog uh, uh, new uh, vice chairman, uh, you know, there was this clip that you had circulated uh, pointing out to how he was saying all yeah. his friends have been yeah. uh, turning all their black into white and stuff like that. Yeah. So basically, uh, a huge portion of black money got converted into white and that's what Chidambaram's, uh, you know, referring to. Right. And if that has actually happened, if uh, what you're, uh, you know, if the few accounts that you go after is a fraction of the overall black money that was out there, then this, even on that criterion, this is a, demo, you know, a demonstrable failure. And about crusades, what is the price you pay for these kinds of crusades? You're potentially going to cost 
2% growth uh, for the economy, 3 right. lakh crores of income that does not come into people's hands, yes. the kinds of jobs that have been lost, the kinds of companies that have had to shut down, informal economy and agriculture shattered, is that at the end you say, no, 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 my intent was good? No, this your intent may have been good. All of our policies from 1947, the intent has been good. Yeah. Some of them, when they are uh, mistaken, you acknowledge we screwed up and we're going to you know, try and make amends. And that's the way to go ahead. And, and try also, and find other policy measures, possibly yeah. cutting uh, excise duties on petroleum or something like that to yeah. boost the economy once again. Otherwise, we are in a prolonged Modi slump. And, that's why and this is all a result of incompetent mismanagement on a monumental scale by Modi and his uh, ministers. Okay, Raja Sethi, we're completely out of time. I'll have you, uh, uh, you know, give you the last word. But it is, it is true that, I mean, this has been bewildering to say the least, that first a series of claims are made, then those claims don't measure up, then new goalposts are set, those goalposts don't measure up. Then you have, like I said, this whole business of, you know, ministers tweeting cut and paste tweets. I mean, just imagine what this is doing to the sanctity of government, to the sanctity of the RBI, of economic data. The repercussions are far beyond just simply the numbers and the and you know the quantifiable damage this is doing to doing to the economy. Srinivasan, I would really request you to please uh, let us focus on certain core elements, core objectives of the demonetization exercise. And I think the government representatives, beat ministers, have the bounden duty to defend uh, that this policy has been good. For analysts like us, it is for us to tear apart the data, look into various aspects as to where the, yeah. the, the, the objectives, the results have matched the stated objective of the government. And, you know, uh, I'll just quote one small data and then uh, that will highlight the, uh, the, the, the benefits of demonetization here. Um, there are 1.5 lakh bank accounts where the average deposits post demonetization have been 3.3 crores average. And they have gone up and down both, like it's an average number. Yes. Now, our it, it depends on the state capacity, our capacity of the uh, the revenue system, the tax collection system, yes. as to how it is able to scan through these 1.5 lakh. That, that, do we have that capacity, though? But that I mean, cash in hand. Businesses could deposit no, that much of cash in hand. So therefore, you know, to say that 3.3 crore average would be black is, uh, you know, very unlikely because, you know, like a petrol I mean, pump, etc., like would I have said, deposited yeah, maybe 10 and, crores. And, uh, but also the point is, uh, 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 Vasu, that, you know, these policies that are being now touted as success yeah. have nothing to do with demonetization. They could have been done independent of demonetization, whether it be digitization or whether it be less cash economy, etc. That's right. That that can be independent of this. It is not, not linked to demonetization. Why? Yeah. So I think that's where we have to leave it there. That's where we come back to the beginning of all of this. That I mean, these are all worthy pursuits to try and encourage India to be more digital, to try and perhaps reduce or taper off the amount of cash in circulation, to go after fake currency and all of that. But why burn down the forest to essentially kill an ant? I think that's the big question which still remains unanswered. I know that all of you have many more points to make and we will return to the subject uh, you know, in much greater depth on Truth versus Hype and on more shows on NDTV. But for now, we'll have to leave it there. Thanks for watching. Good night.